0: all mine. Oh, so yeah, you guys get to hear me for the first time. Lucky you. (laughs) Um, We'll let Aaron get to the back. Oh, shucks. Stop. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, it's actually quite awesome that I'm able to be up here and, uh, yeah, speak with you guys. And so uh, for the last couple, months two months now, we've been doing youth church, youth service, and we've been really focusing on, this past month, on cancellation. Um, how cancel culture has really taken a toll on our lives. And so, going through that, talking about how it's easy to cancel one another, it's easy to say, you know what, you're not worth it, or sometimes we can cancel ourselves saying, I'm not worth it. So, um, Kind of what I want to talk about today is in Psalms 13. We're going to read it together, but as you do, I want us to kind of look at the three different types um, of prayer. So as you read uh, Psalms 13, we're going to notice that it does—it um, will be clear between every two verses. It changes. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, oh, oh. Opposite way. Oh my goodness, it's backwards? Okay, it is backwards. That's weird. <laughs> okay, so if you don't have your Bible, it is up here. Um, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must it take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love with my heart. Shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So, I kind of go back into the three types of prayer. So verse 1 and verse 2, it really, to me, really points out that it shows up as confession and turning to God. We confess. Um, And then the uh, third and fourth, I would call it supplication, asking. Asking God for help. And see, verse 5 and 6, I would call it adoration and worship. So this morning, we're going to kind of go through each of these types of uh, prayers that, and unpacking what David is doing. But before again, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we just get together and just be able to spend time in your presence, Lord. Lord, sometimes we go through hard hardships in our lives. Sometimes we struggle with things. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on around us. Father God, I just ask for your, your hand be upon our hearts that when we are asking where you are, we ask. Then when we are struggling with who we are, we speak to you. Lord God, I just ask you to be with us this morning as we go through these and open our eyes to see what you want us to see. We just thank you in your name. Amen. So the first one is confession. So I'm calling this confession because David, uh, when we read that first uh, first uh, verses in Psalms 13, It's David being simply honest with God. He knows where he is at. And he knows where he's at when it comes to God. But instead of trying to hide it, um, or act like it's somewhere else where it's not, he just simply owns it. So he says, okay, Father, this is where I'm at. This is where I am. And then after that, we see there's five more questions being said. Right now, we're going to look at the first three. First one was, "Lord, how long? How long?" The second one was, "Will you always forget me?" And the third one is, "Will will you hide your face from me?" And if you actually look at those verses, they're not really questions. They're not really questions. He's saying this, but in all reality, he's simply acknowledging the fact that this is how he feels. So you see that David right now is just lament. He is just sad. He is broken because he feels that God isn't there for him at this moment. We see that he, he feels that God is just simply absent, he's not there. And that's why, when you read those three lines, um, when you read those three lines, it gets more intense each time. It's not working. No. Um, But, anyways, the first one is, how long? How long? It's an easy way to say that, um, I don't like this. I wish things weren't the way that they are right now. It's saying I don't want to be in my situation right now. So how long will it be? How much longer do I need to go through this? Go through this hard time in our lives. I think most of us are kind of at that level of uh, confession right now. We don't like what's happening in, in, in our in our families. We don't like what's happening in our towns, our cities. Canada, the rest of the world, it doesn't matter. Because we know for the past few years we went through a very, very tough time. We've gone through death. We've gone through people walking away from God. We've gone through people hurting. and Some of us are just crying out how much more do we have to go through? How much longer? In fact, some of us have just been From younger is that we've gone through years and years and years, and we're simply crying out, God, how much longer do I need to go through this? How much longer must we do this? I can't do it any further. And you really think about that is a valid question. And it's honestly, it's fine that we're asking that. I know I do. I'm sure a lot of us do. We ask, how much longer do we need to do this? So we see here that David um, is starting to acknowledge his felt reality. He says, David asks, will you always forget me? So in one step, David goes from thinking that this is just a situation to saying that he feels like God has just simply forgotten about him. So I'm choosing to, to use the word feels because David is simply talking about how he feels at this moment. That's why it's called his felt reality. His felt reality. We see that reality is simply reality. It's objective. It's what is actually happening at that moment. But felt reality is what's happening from my vantage point, my viewpoint. It's reality framed by my own thoughts, by our own assumptions, our own emotions. You see, David knows, and I know we do too, that God can't forget anything, because he's God. He knows this. And God knows everything, and he knows everyone, and he can't forget anything. No one slips through the cracks. But David, at this moment, is having a really, really tough time believing that. I'm sure we have felt that same way. So David thinks he has been forgotten so he just says it he says that he feels like he's been forgotten he says i don't like this and then i've been forgotten and then how long will you hide your face from me so we see this last one is even more intense than the first two questions because maybe before uh in the first two questions it's simply david's issue David has to deal with the fact that he he doesn't like where he is at that moment. David has to deal with the fact that um, he doesn't like where he is. It's David's fault that he feels like he um, is easy to forget. But then we see in the third question. David puts the blame onto God. How long are you going to keep your face hidden from me. So what is this? God's face is simply hidden? We know it's, that's not true, but this is how David feels at this moment. He thinks that God is hiding his face because he wants you. that God is choosing uh, to hide his face from him. That this is God's choice, that David thinks he can't see God's face on purpose. Maybe some of us have felt that God is hiding his face from us. The the tough things that we're going through in our life, he's saying you can deal with it on your own. Imagine trying to talk to somebody and you're wanting to make eye contact, but they're always looking at their phone. There's been times... (laughs) There's someone. I'm talking to them. They have their phone right here. And I'm trying to talk to them they don't look away from their phone they don't look at me so they're just holding their face their phone in front of their face the whole time how does that make you feel you feel like honestly no that that person would not care about you they're not willing to put down their phone and pay attention to you so you're being simply ignored possibly forgotten because in this example it shows that the person isn't there for you. Isn't that what we say? Like, if they're, they are not there. They're not present. And if they are not uh, present, that means that they're not here. They're gone. Then we start canceling ourselves out. Again, that word don't have value. That we're not worth it. So that's how David feels about God right now. feels that God is holding his phone up in front of In front of God's face, not paying attention to him. So if David is being honest about where he is, it feels like God is too busy. He tries to talk to God, so David asks God, how long will you keep your face from me? This is what it feels like when God isn't there. And it's real. It's the feeling that of emptiness, of being left in the dark. It's when you, when you start to realize that it's not hard to think that God has nothing to do with anything. But now, let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 ends up talking about, um, he goes, David goes from feeling like he's been forgotten to facing the fact that he's alone. So he says, how long must I take counsel in my soul? So in other words, uh, David has to ask himself what he should do. He's by himself. So he talks to himself. He has a conversation with himself. Works things out by himself. His heart is sad all day long. He's just talking to himself. The last question is, is asked in verse 2, and it kind of marks a change. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? see that David's enemies... Sorry. see that David's... Oh my goodness gracious. Right? (laughs) No, we see David's enemies are taking advantage of what's going on. Right? David's felt reality is that God is uninterested and uninvolved, which is simply a point for the bad guys. So, how many points are the bad guys going to get? That's what he's starting to ask. And the first question... Sorry, the first category we talked about is confession. David's confession. David's being honest to God about where he is in life. He's sad about how far away God seems to be at this moment. So the second group is, I I call it supplication. The word supplication comes from the Bible. It means to make a request. It means we we want something from God. So this is in verse 3. In verses 1 and 2, David is... On to how far away he feels God is. In verse 3, ask God for help. David wants to hear from God. He says, consider and answer me. O oh Lord my God, light up my eyes. And that is an interesting sentence. See, in the ESV, the version I use, it takes the Hebrew literally and then translates it into English. David says, light up, which calls to be translated as enlighten. And then, my eyes. So, enlighten my eyes. In other words, David needs God to help him see clearly and see rightly. Which means that David is thinking clearly enough to realize that he is not seeing things correctly at this moment. We see that this is a very important part of Psalms 13. Because it helps us understand what verses one and verses two really mean we say david is saying that he can't see which is why he's doing what he's doing and how he's praying and what he's saying to god david is humble enough to know that his situation is caused by his lack of perspective so he asks god to simply change to to change his perspective we see, uh, Charles Spurgeon makes a really good point. He says that David is praying that the eye of my faith be clear so that I can see my God in the dark. I love that because it's, still, it's saying it's still dark. David is still somewhere he doesn't want to be. In verse 1, the question is, how long? And that still stands. But That doesn't mean that David uh, thinks that there is no God. David is saying this because he knows God is there. If you think about it, it's so ironic. It's ironic that David is talking to God, who he feels at this moment isn't there. David asks God, where are you, God? Keeps talking as if he knows where he is, though, because God is with him. David says he feels like God isn't there, but he acts as if God is there, even though that's not how he feels at this moment. We see, this is where David's true feelings start to show. He's going beyond how he feels and using his will. God, it feels like you are not there, but I know you are. I know it. God, help me, make me see. Open my eyes. Give me that perspective. Enlighten my eyes. David wants to try what he's holding his fist together to just believe that God is with us. We all know He's here, and that's our only real chance of being rescued. We continue on, is in Psalms 13, David knows. Uh, knows this, which is why he talks to God about it. He's telling God about this prayer. He is making this supplication. And a lot is on the line. In verses 3 and verses 4, David says this with the word lest. Lest I fall asleep and die. Lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. This just makes it prayer even more powerful, he's most likely thinking that if God doesn't do something right now in my life, terrible things are going to happen. So let's think about this again, how relevant this scripture really is to each and every one of us and where we're at right now. I'm sure there are times in the past couple years that um, we would simply just cry out to God. That we just cry out and say, God, please intervene. Please intervene. This is so hard to watch. It's so hard to be a part of. I remember there's times over the last eight years, I just would just cry out to God because I didn't know what to do with my life. Being hurt by people I loved. Being abandoned by people I thought were on my side. Being abandoned. Feeling like I was being abandoned by God. I've cried out. I'm sure we've all cried out in some way in our lives to even this day. We could just cry out because how long must we go through this? So that's what David's asking for. That's a supplication and it is ours as well. We're going to talk about the last two verses, uh, verses five and six. This here we talk about adoration. We talk about worship. We talk. We, we've went through the confession side. We went through the supplication. Now the adoration. It says here, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully, or good to me, with me. It's pretty clear what David is trying to do here. He starts... Um, he starts by complaining about how far God is away from him. Then he asks God to help and intervene in the situation. And now, that he, now he's starting to say that he trusts in God's unchanging love. You see, David does this all in, in a matter of five verses. And even though we can see, um, it's easy to see the movement, the shifts of what's happening. It's harder to keep that. Uh, Keep it up within our hearts. Sometimes it's hard for us to believe that. You see, David has just spent four verses saying that his world is basically falling apart around him. Everything is falling apart. And now, all of a sudden, he's starting to sing praise and worship. He's saying that he believes and trusts in the God he thought had forgotten about him earlier. We only make sense of this if we know where David has been going the whole time. He starts with what he thinks is real, and he doesn't plan to stay there. He starts on the surface, but he decides to dig deeper. His felt reality gives way to the ultimate reality, and that is who God is and what he has done. That's the ultimate reality. God is Yahweh. He is a God of love that never changes. He is steadfast love. He is a God who created all things. He's a God who can sustain all things. He has showed himself to Israel through a promise that was backed up by who he is. He is a God of rescue, he is the God of salvation. And he's making a way when there is none. So David tells God, I trust you. I trust you. How many times have we said, God, I trust you, even in the hardest of days? I hope that you will love me. God, I hope you will love me for where I'm at. We see that David's faith... And God comes from his joy in God. And that joy has to come out in some way. So he simply, he begins to sing. In verse 6, he says, I'll sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. See, that is the end of the song. It's a lament song, a song that ends up being praised because David decides to dig deep into his heart. He acknowledges his felt reality then ask God for his for some perspective. Have we ever asked God for perspective of where we're at right now? After David asks for perspective, he then declares his trust in God, his joy in God. So what does he do? He sings. Because when he gets down to the bottom of his heart, he gets that perspective. He breathes in the air of the ultimate reality. He knows the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. And that phrase means about exactly what it sounds like. That's a transactional language. God has been dealing with David and it's a good deal. The God of unchanging love, the God of steadfast love only makes good deals. And if that's true for David, it's going to be the same for us. David thinks that God's relationship with him is bountiful. Which I mean is that it's full of love and filled with God's goodness. So how much better has God treated us for whom Jesus bled and died and was raised and live in the light of that resurrection? We see, church, um, how much more bountiful as God treated us, if we can say with Paul, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Which is in Romans 8. So we see here, um, I don't speak as long as Aaron. (laughs) I don't. Um, Hope you guys are okay with that. (laughs) But um, honestly though, even in our trials, we may have been in the same place. We may have felt alone at times. We may have felt that God has left us. But I want to remind us, that again is our felt reality. It's not the ultimate reality. It's not the true reality. We start then to cry out and ask for help, which is our supplication. But is then acknowledging the true love that our Heavenly Father has for us. And that is our adoration and worship. So I don't know where anyone is in their lives. I ask this at youth. Wherever you're at, God loves you for who you are. In your times of trouble, your times of hurting. The, the last couple of years where people feel like they're just on the ground. They're worthless. I just want to remind everyone, you have worth. You have value. Your identity is found in Christ. There's nothing that the enemy can do that will take God's love from you. God loves you for who you are. So when you are struggling, when you're hurting, when you are on your knees crying out, when you're in the the hurricane that's coming around you and you feel like you're being beaten around, pushed around everywhere, get in that eye of the hurricane. Who's there with you? God's with you. He loves you. He cares about you. So confess. Turn to him when you're having a hard time. Cry out. Yell out. It doesn't matter. God just wants you. Ask. Ask him for perspective. Ask him for help. He wants a relationship with each and every one of you. He may not at that time answer your prayer. Because at that moment, that prayer is not meant to be answered. But then we still need to be in awe of who he is. God knows what's best for us. So just know that he loves you. He cares about each and every one of you. Reach out to him. Ask for help. And just worship him whatever way you can. Don't cancel yourself out. You have more value than that. Um, Let's just just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we just got to spend time in your presence. That we got to just hear our value and and how our prayers, um, our prayers don't need to be fancy. They don't need to be anything like that, but they just need to be honest. They just need to come from the heart. And I just ask you, Father, that... Our hearts start reaching out to you. Our hearts are crying out to you from where we're at. Good times, bad times. We cry out to you. Father God, we just thank you that you're here. That you love us. We we don't need to cancel ourselves out. Because you have put the stamp of your unchanging love on us. We thank you in my name. Amen.